The opinions and statements expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management. Good morning, everyone. Welcome again to another edition of Boomer Generation Radio. This is your host, Richard Address, coming to you from the studios of WWDB AM 860 here in Greater Philadelphia. We're streaming live on WWDBAM.com. You can reach us at BoomerGenerationRadio at gmail.com and also like us on the Boomer Generation Radio Facebook page. And as we keep reminding you, uh, on a regular basis, all these uh, Boomer Generation Radio shows are podcasts and archived on my uh, website, www.JewishSacredAging.com. It's a warm and muggy day here in Philly and kind of quiet and mellow. Uh, we're going to have some interesting conversation coming up uh, with Reverend Will Wendorf on a really exciting new project called Boomerstock. But I also want to take some time on this very uh, – it's the middle of the summer and, you know, kind of time for some reflections on some issues. And there's an issue that I really wanted to bring to your attention um, that's really coming up. And again, another variety and spate of uh, articles uh, that really have been all moving around the pages of magazines, both um, popular magazines and some more semi-scholarly magazines for the last, uh, I guess, year or two. And I want to raise some issues with you and uh, maybe poke your brain before we're uh, Reverend Randolph calls in. We'll be doing that and some other musical introduction to that uh, right after this message from our friends down the street at Kendall. Hi, this is Kendall resident Harry Hammond. This portion of Boomer Generation Radio is brought to you by Kendall. Founded on Quaker principles, Kendall provides independent living, assisted living, memory support, skilled nursing and rehabilitation care for older adults in eight states. Whether you're looking for the intellectual and cultural stimulation of a college town or a big city, Kendall has a community for you. We are together transforming the experience of aging. To learn more, visit Kendall.org or call toll-free 888-759-0128. Welcome back to our first segment here on today's edition of Boomer Generation Radio. Again, uh, WWDB AM 860 here in Greater Philadelphia and streaming live on WWDBAM.com. So I want to introduce this first uh, little um, period of reflection before we go into our guest today uh, with a song. It's a song that uh, really from those of us of a certain age, from boomers, you may remember this, uh, (laughs) from either coffee shop days or sitting around campfire days at summer camp um, or a variety of other ways. But it's a – well, just listen and – It'll kind of ease us into a conversation and some articles and a discussion that keeps coming up about how long do we want to live. You know, as baby boomers, we're very, very concerned about health and wellness and about extending our life and living longer because we really are the... The benefit, the benefactors of our parents' generation who pushed the envelope a little bit in, in really making longevity what it is. And now thanks to a whole variety of, of, of issues such as, uh, public health and uh, medical technology and uh, just a whole greater awareness of certain things. 
Uh, we're really the first generation that I think expects, and I mean that sincerely, expects to live well into our 80s and 90s, if not beyond. And that's uh, started to raise a whole series of questions about um, how long do we want to live and how long can we live? And what's the meaning of it all? And uh, there's all kinds of ethical and social questions that come into that. And for some reason, and I think it's quite obvious the reason is because the boomers are pushing it, there's been a development of a whole series of science and anti-aging science, if that's what it is, and research and studies, um, and a explosion, with a small e, of articles in a variety of different publications over the last several years trying to raise the question, the biblical question of our lifespan to 120 and it seems that people are working on this. And I guess one of the questions behind this is, well, you know, if we can live to 120, why or how? or And what do we see in it? So there's a – this is a – I want to introduce this with a song which is kind of like reflective. And it's a nice piece of music for a hot summer day when – you know, you kind of like think about things with a cold drink, tall, tall, cold drink and maybe sit and think about some things. So here's a, a here's a piece of music called The Circle Game. Probably a lot of you remember this.
So that that was a it's a great song, and I was thinking about that this morning uh, in the usual uh, crush of traffic getting from Southern New Jersey to Ballackinwood, Pennsylvania, and um, wanted to share that with you as sort of like an introduction because the Circle Game always reminded me of sort of like you know um, these warm summer days and trying to reflect upon, you know, some things of meaning and life and what does it mean. And for baby boomers, which is the focus of the Boomer Generation radio show and um, some of, on all the work that I do as well, you know, in this moment of life, in this flickering amount of time that we have, what does it mean and, and how do we change priorities as we get a little older as that circle gets uh, going around and around. It's sort of like that old Peter, Paul, and Mary song, The Great Mandela, also, for some of you may remember from the from the 1960s, um, off some album that I probably lost. So there's been a whole series of articles um, and books written in the recent years that begins to talk about this, exactly what Joni Mitchell is singing about, and a lot of the stuff that we, that people of our generation begin to think about when we really, you know, put the deflector shields down and kind of like contemplate what it means to get a little older and watch our kids grow up and what does the future hold and having many of us dealt with caregiving issues with moms and dads and sometimes spouses, which raise all kinds of, of crazy issues. Um, so recently there's a, there was a, something on, online from the UNS, U.S. News and Real Report that talks about uh, something called... Um, Giro science. I'm probably mispronouncing it, but it's a it's a whole flood of scientific research that's talking about you know life extension. It's really part of this whole life extension phenomenon. Um, Giro science is, explores the relationship between aging and diseases, uh, major diseases like cancer, heart disease, Alzheimer's. Um, and the people who are researching this are, are, according to this article, quote marshaling evidence that this the cellular process that drives aging and results in many of these diseases um, and the possibility of slowing this down, slowing the damage that it's done to cells. 
and as one scientist says, the idea that if you can treat the underlying cause of aging, you can delay all the things as a group, all these things that, that cause these delays as a group. And that would be according to this one professor at uh, Alabama, Birmingham, Stephen Alstad, a whole different way of thinking about medicine and a whole different way of thinking about um, getting older. And I guess this goes to this, this growing phenomenon, again, I, I guarantee you, driven by our generation, of saying, well, maybe if we, maybe if we study um, the seed, the cell, the cellular component of, of what makes up aging, and we know some of that already. Uh, Dr. Barzilai at uh, Mount Sinai, I think, in New York, is working on this, as well as a host of other people. Maybe we can we can do that and study it and come up a way come up with a way of stopping it. Um, this article at U.S. News Online um, talks about they 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 quote a concept called the compression of morbidity, which is a bizarre thing, which would not only be good for individuals um, but also for society. Says another one of these uh, scholars. They do mention a statistic that is well known now that a projected one-fifth of Americans will be 65 or older by 2030, which is, believe it or not, that that far away. And their health costs will be overwhelming if they have multiple chronic diseases and cope with disability. Uh, that, that, that is true. Uh, the, the, the statistic is true. And it raises one of the major compound, uh, associated issues of life extension research. So in other words, think of yourself. If you're able to live to 120, let's just say, um, and you leave full-time work at 68 or 70, let's say, uh, as many of our generation are doing, and uh, therefore that's 25, 35, 40 years of, quote, different type of life, uh, and you're going to be drawing on our Social Security and Medicare, assuming things don't change, you can do the math. Uh, <laughs> that's a lot of people pulling out a lot of money from a um, system that's already right now, according to what many people are telling me, um, and we've had these discussions on Boomer Generation Radio, uh, you know, could raise some serious financial questions and social issue questions as to who gets what and how long these funds will be able to maintain um, various types of lifestyles. So this life extension research, uh, again, uh, pops up in the current issue of The Economist, dated August 13th through 19th, um, 2016. And there's the cover story. The cover story of this week's, uh, this local, the, the current economist is called Cheating Death. This grabbed me as I was walking through an airport on Sunday trying to get home. Um, and it's a series of little articles, again, about life extension research, about something called CR, which is uh, calorie restriction. And um, this article talks about, uh, again, and I'll just read it, just to refer to one of these uh, columns on page 16 of The Current Economist. It's worthwhile picking up. Um, even the most enthusiastic adherents of slowing down aging by means of diet or pharmacology have to admit that it will not keep people going forever. At best, it might allow them to age as slowly as the slowest aging people do naturally. 
And what makes it unlikely, even at its most effective, to increase lifespans beyond 120, because that seems to be more or less the natural upper limit of to a human lifespan, improvements in medicine and welfare mean that there are many more people in their 90s and 100s around the world today, and we know that, than there used to be. The number of people in their 130s, though, remains stubbornly at zero. So, you know, the, the, this is sort of like a key paragraph in this article that says, okay, we may be able to do this. We may be able to do this. We may be able to extend our life uh, into the 100s. And so the questions come, why? And and this is really one of the more interesting things. And this is what I just wanted to raise with you. Uh, I Believe me, if I had an answer, I'd be writing major books and but I don't have an answer. As a clergy person, I think we have an insight or two from the, the faith communities. Um, but it, it goes to something that, that actually Atul Gawande wrote in this a bestseller, Being Mortal, which is a very, very brilliant book that if you haven't read it, I really do recommend that you take a look at it. In addition to the social questions of the economics of aging, which are it's a very paramount uh, question, and we've talked about that on the show a little bit, is what I call the spiritual questions associated with life extension. And that is, uh, obviously, science is tr- trying to figure out how we can do this, and the spiritual question is why. And um, if you can live to 115, 120, 110, 105, do you want to live as you did when you were 45 or more infirmed? These are some of the spiritual questions that also get raised in the Gawande book and a whole other series of writings from a more spiritual perspective who talk about it's not how many years of life that you live, but as some of you may know, the number, the, the quality of life in those years. And, um, Gawande argues uh, the need, as, as somebody is writing uh, just this morning in a CNN column uh, called, uh, on the Wisdom Project by David Allen. Um, it's also on CNN online. And he quotes Gawande and he and, and refers to a JAMA, Journal of American Medical Association survey, in which the majority of respondents who were facing serious illness stated they would prefer dying over 10 compromised states, you know, uh, that many of us have seen our parents and God forbid a spouse uh, dealing with uh, being being totally dependent and, and losing one's dignity. And um, the CNN column talks about the fact of, of, of channeling Gawande's book that if we strive in our final months for independence, companionship, mindful attention, dignity, wisdom, joy, love, and freedom from pain, we have the power to make those days less miserable, confusing, and frightening, unquote. I raise this with you because um, it's just something to think about. We stand evidently at the cusp of uh, some tremendous scientific breakthroughs in longevity and uh, life extension, slowly but surely. Most of us in our heart of hearts would say, do it, do it. If you can give me quality of life and a longer quality of life, we're, we're all for that. But we also have to keep in mind that there are other economic, social, and very valid spiritual questions that come with this new emerging science. And um, it's something to think about on a very warm summer day when we perhaps can lean back and take some time to reflect. And um, so I just wanted to bring that to you and give you something to think about. When we come back, um, we are going to 
hopefully touch base with our guest for today, uh, Reverend Will Randolph, who is the Director of Aging and Older Adult Ministries for the United Methodist Church. And uh, I hope Reverend Will Randolph is on the line. Is he there? Reverend Randolph, are you on the line? I am here. Hey, good to see you. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. You're, you're calling in from Nashville? From Nashville, Tennessee. That's where our offices are. How are things in Tennessee today? Uh, it's supposed to be uh, rainy for change. It's hot here this time of year. Yeah, well, in Philly, there's supposed to, there may be a rain cloud that passes over, but <laughs> people are waiting for it because it's we've we've been hitting this uh, rather elongated stretch of 90s and 90s. So, anyway, um, Reverend Randolph, it's very very good to talk with you. Thank you for calling in. We have lots to talk about about some amazing projects that you're involved with. You're the director of Aging and Older Adult Ministries for the United Methodist Church. Um, you're based in Nashville, Tennessee. Just uh, let's let's start off with something really simple. Of a background, Reverend Randolph, what what is uh, your role as the director of aging and older adult ministries? What does that mean? What do you do? Well, I work to do uh, research and write articles um, about aging and about older adult ministry. I work directly in churches uh, and with uh, regional organizations of the church to develop specific um, uh, best practices in older adult ministry and to take a look at how we can engage uh, folks who are across the retirement spectrum all the way from their early 50s up to over 100 uh, years of age. Uh, so uh, are you seeing uh, the the we we seem to be seeing some statistics coming from a variety of different resources i just uh, saw recently i think last month from the pew foundation which did a um, study of the demographic breakdowns of the major denominations faith denominations of the united states this tra- real Amazing trend to older. I know in our community, the Jewish community, the majority of the community is over 50 years of age. The United Methodist Church, are you reflecting that same aging trend? Absolutely. Uh, we, uh, I think the last uh, statistic I saw, the average United Methodist is about 59 years of age. That's the median um, age. Um, that that's pretty high median age, with a, a great portion of them actually being over 60. We have not done a very good job of engaging and reaching uh, younger families. And um, those that we have engaged from uh, the baby boomer generation, my generation, typically are very different than those outside of uh, the United Methodist Church. So I want to explore this a little bit because I know uh, you're heavily engaged in trying to raise awareness about aging. Obviously, that's your job. But what has the church been doing about um, the the millennial generation? Because that seems they're getting a tremendous amount of play right now, and they are now the largest generation demographically in the United States of America. I think they eclipsed us uh, uh, in um, January of last um, last year. Well, that, that well Richard, I have seen uh, a number of, of those studies that kept predicting they would eclipse us. The only way that they actually eclipse the baby boomer generation is if you include an estimated population of those who were born uh, outside the United States immigrant population oh, wow. that are millennials. Interesting. Um, 
But we look at baby boomers as actually a linchpin um, generation because they are a bridge between the great generation who were our parents and the millennial generation who are actually mostly children of baby boomers. I saw a study that indicated that 92% of all millennials are born from uh, baby boomer parents. Right. So that makes them uh, uh, makes baby boomers very important because uh, to even reaching out to millennials because uh, there are relationships with the millennials, particularly those who have yet to be separated from their families uh, and their uh, culture of origin. Um, there are relationships that are, are very uh, strong that can be used uh, to develop uh, relationships with millennials that way. You know, there's a phrase I use in my work called spiritual capital, uh, which is by no means, uh, you know, uh, all tremendously scholarly. But it, it, to me, it, it means the idea that, as you're referring to, the baby boom generation has this huge amount of life experience. Um, and you're, you're referencing the, the millennials in, in your work as as the director of aging and older adult ministries for United Methodist Church, are there churches trying to develop more intergenerational programming? Because I know this is, in, in other denominations, this is something that I think is vastly needed to really try to share that spiritual capital of that 68-year-old with the 18-year-old or the 22-year-old who just may be graduating college or starting out and has no idea what the real world is like. Are you seeing this movement within the church? Well, within the United Methodist Church, we had until uh, about a month ago, it's on field right now, a position as director of intergenerational ministries. Hmm. Um, and it's very important, particularly when you start concentrating upon any generation, be it millennials or baby boomers, because one of the things that happens is when local faith communities, churches, synagogues, have only a limited amount of resources. If you are uh, promoting one generation over another, you might create uh, intergenerational conflict that way. There is also kind of a natural intergenerational conflict that it's helpful to concentrate and focus on intergenerational ministry with, and that is um, having an old guard that may not be willing to let go yet and allow younger people to try new things. One of the things that we are working on here, it's not out yet, is trying to develop an immersion experience uh, for older adults to better understand what it's like to be a teenager or a young adult hmm. in today's world. We think we know what it's like because we went through that that uh, phase ourselves in life, but it's a whole nother ball game now. So that's something that we will uh, continue to work toward. Um, um, but the, uh, you bring up something that's very important if you are going to concentrate upon any generation just because of the intergenerational conflict. You know, you, you, you just spark something. Um, the, your work, obviously, in older adults with a concentration on, on baby boomers, 
What are you seeing amongst the, the baby boom generation in the United Methodist Church? Are you seeing um, a more conservative bedrock? This is the this is the faith that I was raised in. This is the faith that I am comfortable with. Or are you starting to see, as in other faith communities, a greater openness to experimentation, uh, different experiences of different types of uh, belief systems, um, uh, things like that? You know, th- that maybe because the family systems that support these baby boomers are changing themselves, but a more openness to different ways of looking at their relationship with God. I guess I really I'm asking is, are are the boomers in the United Methodist Church that you're looking, you're working with, experimenting with different approaches or being more open to different ways they define their relationship with God? One of the, the key concepts for me uh, was I learned from Dr. Bill Thomas, the originator of... Um, of, uh, of the Eden Alternative, the right, Eden Prescription right. in Medicine, the Greenhouse Project. Mm-hmm. And he wrote a book entitled Second Winds, and he talks about conformist boomers. I also had looked at uh, Generation Ageless from Ann Clorman and uh, J. Walker Smith, which is an advertising marketing book. But they also looked at uh, the fact that all, not all boomers are the same. And primarily those, I think, that we have in the United Methodist Church, these are the ones that grew up in the church, they stayed in the church, and they are probably were sheltered from a lot of what was going on in the 60s, um, unlike their peers that are outside the church. Um, and so they reflect a more conservative um, uh, stance more traditional stance uh, in the world, uh, particularly on faith, matters of faith, probably politically as well. And when I often do workshops, I say, uh, think about the last presidents we've had, um, George Bush, uh, Bill Clinton, and Barack Obama were all baby boomers. Um, George Bush was a very conservative, conformist-style baby boomer, and it's no accident <laughs> that he became United Methodist um, because he reflects some of the uh, baby boomers that we have in the church. And my contention has been that it's been somewhat of a hindrance to reach out to those that are outside the church who are different, who are looking for something different. And that, in part, has been the rise of folks that are spiritual but not religious, the so-termed nuns and dons, non-religious affiliation, or completely done with the church. Mm-hmm. Um, because they are looking and hungering still for uh, true spirituality, and uh, what they're not finding it is in an institutional church setting, uh, particularly with people who are conservative. Um, But I think that it's important to reach out to the spiritual but not religious and even people who are not a part of the church, who really the church is irrelevant for. Um, because I think that the last uh, quarter of life is the most spiritual time for most of us. Uh, we uh, struggle with two psychological processes that I really feel like are spiritual processes. And that is coming to an understanding of our purpose and meaning in life. So issues of legacy are very important to us, 
And with baby boomers who were going to change the world, who were oftentimes activists, particularly those that are outside the church, uh, creating uh, service projects and uh, involving them in really doing things in their local area uh, that provide a legacy for them on a personal note, but uh, helps change and improve the world on a, a communal note. And the second process is preparing for our our own deaths and the deaths of our our loved ones, um, dealing with mortality. And that's something that that spiritual practices can very well help someone uh, in that last quarter of life. And so I look at it as actually a good time to be in ministry particularly with baby boomers, because they will need help uh, with uh, retirement. We're speaking with Reverend William Randolph, the director of Aging and Older Adult Ministries for the United Methodist Church. And um, it's a good segue, Reverend Randolph, about the issue of legacy uh, and the nuns and spirit, those who are spiritual but not religious. And I want to return to that with an exciting project that you're creating for um, next month uh, called Boomerstock. And we'll do that right after this word from our friends down the road at Kendall. Hi, this is Kendall's staff member, Sheila Sylvester. This portion of Boomer Generation Radio is brought to you by Kendall. Founded on Quaker principles, Kendall provides independent living, assisted living, memory support, skilled nursing, and rehabilitation care for older adults in eight states. Whether you're looking for the intellectual and cultural stimulation of a college town or a big city, Kendall has a community for you. We are together transforming the experience of aging. To learn more, visit Kendall.org or call toll-free 888-759-0128. Welcome back to uh, our today's edition of Boomer Generation Radio. There's a cloud that's come over here in Philly. Maybe it'll rain. Um, We're speaking with Reverend William Randolph, the Director of Aging and Older Adult Ministries for the United Methodist Church on today's edition of Boomer Generation Radio. Again, uh, WWDB AM 860 here in Philly. And we're streaming live on www.dbam.com. And again, reach us at Boomer Generation Radio at gmail.com or like us on the Boomer Generation Radio Facebook page. Uh, William Randolph, Reverend Randolph, Boomer Stock. This is a really cool idea. September 28th to October 1st at the Embassy Suites Nashville Airport Hotel. Talk to me about this project how you created it, and more importantly, which I think people can get from your previous comments, why you created it. Well, first of all, uh, as the name suggests, it's um, uh, built around a similar theme as Woodstock, the actual music festival in Bethel, New York. It wasn't in Woodstock, New York which actually was going on uh, at this uh, this current time 47 years ago. Wow. Um, but uh, the idea behind it is to try to develop a conversation uh, within not only the United Methodist Church, but within faith communities about how to engage uh, with baby boomers and how to develop uh, ministry with baby boomers. Uh, We essentially hope to answer 
uh, a question that we have in the back of our minds, which is in what ways will the baby boomer culture change aging as we know it? And in what ways will the aging process change the baby boomer culture? Both of them are significant questions for how we do older adult ministry, uh, not only in the church, but in, in all faith communities. Um, and what we have figured was that there are a few groups that have done best practices. Uh, the Baptist, the Southern Baptist Convention, for instance, had done a uh, baby boomer summit down in Texas in 2013, 14, and last year in 2015. And um, it had a keynote speaker, Amy Hansen, who's written a book, um, Baby Boomer Ministry in the 21st Century and Beyond, uh, come and give a keynote uh, address, but then had had a few churches uh, do workshops about what they were doing in terms of engaging with baby boomers. But that is kind of a best practices. We have no idea about why any of those best practices worked in that location, nor do we know how to translate uh, that material uh, for uh, different contexts. So the idea behind having uh, boomer stock was to develop a theoretical foundation, a base of information about just how to engage with baby boomers. And we didn't want to hear necessarily from just people in the faith community. Um, we wanted to talk to people who were experts in, in how to engage with baby boomers. So we looked at marketing as one group that engages with baby boomers um, every day. And so we looked at having someone come to a presentation on what we can learn from marketing. And so therefore we have Brent Green, who is really a guru uh, as far as uh, marketing to baby boomers, particularly leading edge baby boomers. And then we wanted to look at retirement as a big place where the, the retirement industry engages with baby boomers. So we split that into two, two different presentations, uh, one that involves the service, the activism, um, the advocacy, um, uh, basically doing um, a direct service has a way of changing the world. And so we have a guy by the name of Rick Moody who um, was the CEO of Red Cross before moving to AARP. is really uh, responsible for reorienting AARP from being a lobbying organization for the great generation to being a service provider for us baby boomers. Right. And Rick Rick was actually on the show here uh, for a whole hour uh, several months ago, and his interview is archived on, on JewishSacredAging.com, and it was a very good conversation. He talked a little bit about this transformation. Um, and then we're looking at retirement uh, as pre-preparation uh, for retirement and post-retirement uh, checkups, uh, monitoring the psychosocial uh, uh, process, uh, trajectory of people in retirement. So we have Carol Orsborn coming uh, to talk about 
that I don't know if you're familiar with Carol Orsborne. She also represents a woman's perspective on being a baby boomer. She has uh, has a fierce with age. Mm. And she actually has a, a Ph.D. in spirituality. Um, and um, for those of, uh, of your listeners who are Jewish, she is uh, Jewish by faith. So she's coming to talk to us about retirement as a way of engaging baby boomers. Um, so we're also looking at who baby boomers are. We will hear from uh, a couple authors about who baby boomers are, including black uh, boomers. Uh, with one of our own, Vance Ross, and we will hear about how baby boomers came to be um, a part of the culture from a guy by the name of Dr. Craig Miller. So those are the speakers. Uh, but again, it's um, expected to be just a, a start. Uh, we hope to get the conversation flowing and to develop um, further research and how to apply and um, what we are finding out about how to engage boomers um, to look at, at how we can do ministry with boomers over the next 20 years. So, it, so Reverend Randolph, is this just focused for the United Methodist Church, or really no. will other people who from other denominations get something out of this? Um, they will. Uh, well, the, we have some attendees that are coming from other denominations and other faith communities. Mm-hmm. And obviously our speakers are from a variety of backgrounds. There are a whole host, however, of questions that uh, I would have liked to have looked at, but um, time uh, management and money and other things made uh, this uh, put some constraints on what we do this time, but we're hoping to do several others uh, of these boomer stock um, events, and uh, the proceedings will be archived at our website um, for six months. That's the agreement we have. Um, and I forgot to mention um, one of our presenters is someone that is an expert in the spiritual but not religious, uh, Dr. Linda Maricadanti, who was a sociologist by training. But she has interviewed, um, she had interviewed about 5,000 people of various generations that applied the spiritual but not religious label to themselves. Uh, in writing a book, Belief Without Borders, and um, she has a follow-up book she's still working on that's um, basically about baby boomers who are spiritual but not religious and the things that really work and that they report in focus groups about things that they react and resonate with uh, that have to do with uh, engagement of baby boomers. And, And what's the name of that book? Uh, the first book is Belief Without Borders. Okay. The, 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 the um, practical logistical question. This is September 28th to October 1st in 2016. That's next month, believe it or not. Right. Embassy Suites Nashville Airport. So if somebody wants to, who's hearing this either on the show live or on the Internet or picks it up on one of the archive, you know, once, you know, listens to it in a couple of weeks on the gi- at the gym or on their treadmill on the podcast on the website, 
how do they get the information? What's the website? How do they get more information? How much is the registration fee? Can you give us some of the nitty-gritty in case somebody says, gee, this is something that I would really like to attend? Okay, the um, website uh, where there's a lot of information involved uh, is HTTPS, of course, uh, colon backslash backslash slash www, and then it's eiseverywhere.com backslash ehome backslash boomerstock backslash four zero zero four two four backslash wow <laughs> okay I'm, I'm sorry to have to try to give an address like that um if they if the somebody googled places, if somebody googled boomerstock will it pop up something uh, it would okay um it would and it probably would pop up a um at something at our uh, umcdiscipleship.org website. That's the other way of getting to it. There is currently a banner that goes across the front screen, and if someone clicks on that, uh, it has a nice little label that uh, looks a little bit like the original um, Woodstock um, logo. But it just says Boomerstock, and if they click on that, it'll take them to an article which has the links directly to the website on it. But it also lists the speakers. And that um, umcdiscipleship.org is where they will find the archive um, version of the proceedings later on. Okay. The, uh, the cost... Um, if someone is not an official representative, he is basically 325 bucks plus um, lodging, and the 325 dollars covers the meals and the registration fee. Right, that's the registration fee. Um, they can stay at at the embassy suites, or there's several. Actually, there are several places that are close by the airport uh, that they can stay in, but there is a block of rooms that yeah, that they're holding um, at the embassy suites at the airport here in Nashville. We're speaking with Dr. William Randolph, Reverend Dr. William Randolph, the Director of Aging and Older Adult Ministries for the United Methodist Church based in Nashville. We're talking about his great concept conference that he's bringing together called Boomer Stock at the end of September, the beginning of October. We're going to come back with Reverend Randolph and pursue one or two of these other issues that are going to be raised at the conference right after this brief message from our friends at Kendall. Hi, this is Kendall resident Harry Hammond. This portion of Boomer Generation Radio is brought to you by Kendall Outreach. Kendall Outreach serves the field of aging by raising public awareness of important health care issues of older adults. And it provides education and training in the development and implementation of comprehensive approaches to safe, individualized, long-term care practices. Kendall Outreach has been sharing Kendall's approaches to quality care with consumers, advocates, providers, government agencies, and related organizations since 1989. To learn more, visit KendallOutreach.org. 
Welcome back to our segments today dealing with uh, Boomer Stock with uh, Reverend Dr. William Randolph, the Director of Aging and Older Adult Ministries for the United Methodist Church, uh, speaking to us here on today's edition of Boomer Generation Radio, coming to you from the studios of WWDB AM 860 here in Greater Philadelphia and streaming live on WWDBAM.com. Um, Reverend Randolph, Boomer Stock, you, you, you gave us this really good overview of the speakers and um, the forum managing a lot of uh, workshops, breakouts, best practices, conversation, networking. Talk to me a little bit about, because um, I know you, you, you referenced this a couple of times in our conversation, the attempt to engage the church with uh, the nuns, the spiritually but not religious which really is, according to the Pew reports, the fastest growing, if you'll call it, denomination in the United States of America in the last decade or so, obviously driven by the baby boomers. From your perspective as the director of the services for this denomination, what do you think is going on? Why are so many of our generation choosing this route, leaving organized religion and going on this search for, as you were talking about, uh, the search for something spiritually meaningful in their life? What's missing? Well, I think that uh, one of the parts of the boomer culture is that we like to do things our way. <laughs> and there are some reasons for that. It goes back to the to our, the parenting of our parents, and I don't have time to really get into that. But I would suggest people read uh, that book by Dr. Bill Thomas, uh, Second Wind. Yeah, it's a good book. Over, it's a good book. Over overview of that. But um, I think that in doing things our way, we're used to personal choice. So we want something to appeal to us. And where we are, and uh, a lot of times in doing a group um, group approach to spirituality, it isn't personalized for where we are in terms of, of our own spiritual growth. So we've hungered and searched for, for trying to find meaning and spirituality. But also, I think that the church and other religious institutions. Um, came along at a time where, uh, in the 20, 20th century when we were coming of age uh, where there were a lot, of, a lot of change going on and we just didn't change uh, as an institution a lot of times quickly enough. Um, the whole young people's ministry, the youth ministry as a, a profession came along in response uh, by church leaders who were seeking to try to retain as many of us in the baby boomer generation in the church as possible. And it actually had cataclysmic effects because many of us left uh, because we really uh, did not resonate with um, with the lack of change. I think within in the church body, um, I personally came out of um, uh, kind of a social activist wing of the church, and I could not understand how the church could could preach when I was a, a young person. Uh, that a person shouldn't kill, but then were heavily involved in killing people in Vietnam um, or other things like that. And so I think that what happened is also 
within the church, we became too involved with being Christocentric in our thinking, and not enough uh, thought went into being spiritual or spirituality or uh, doing pneumatology, uh, which is, of course, uh, looking at the theology of the Holy Spirit. And we got away from uh, practices that had to do with, uh, with spirituality. Um, and so that rang inauthentic. The baby boomer culture is very much about authenticity. And um, one of the things that I remember growing up with was the the fact that things seemed hypocritical to me a lot of times within the church. And I think that all those things contributed to gradually people just uh, leaving the church and the church becoming irrelevant. There are so many other choices for how we spend our time. There are so many other choices for how to do spirituality, but there's been kind of this search for meaning and this hunger that still exists. And it's unfortunate, but churches have tended to dismiss people who are spiritual but not religious instead of seeing them as allies or seeing them as potential um, uh, folks to be a part of the, their church communities. I want to just to pursue something there because we're going to start to run out of time, but you're just touching on something that I think is really, 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 really crucial. And and I'm sure it'll find its way into the conversations at Boomerstock. But in this in this uh, search for meaning and the nuns, the this, this spiritual but not religious, is this all so reflective or could it be reflective in, in your experience as the director of uh, aging and older adult ministries um, for a hunger to reestablish a relationship with something that we would call God, something beyond our own self, but a rejection of the traditional supernatural creator, hearer, listener, intervener God. Is this what's behind a lot of this searching? Absolutely. It is definitely behind the searching because that kind of um, uh, God that is just not authentic. What do you mean, not, is, not, what do you mean not authentic? It is not authentic to so many people that are hungering for true spirituality, for relationship, for um, understanding with the divine, for what is out there beyond life here. Um, and, of course, it's only going to be, uh, grow worse in the last quarter of life when we are working on our own mortality. Are you seeing the, the, in your work... This this issue of working on our own mortality. I mean, we, we talk a lot about the, the Atul Gawande book, which is a bestseller. What what are you seeing within your ministry with, with older adults and especially baby boomers? Uh, because we've talked about this a lot on the show here, and we've had lots of people talking about it on Boomer Generation Radio and the, um, the number of... Uh, conversations, I think, around dinner tables or cocktail lounges or out to dinner with our generation, I think, includes some of this either directly or vaguely. What do you see happening within your cohort uh, about the ability to really have substantive conversations about our own mortality? 
Well, I see one or two approaches. It either comes out or people try to avoid it at all costs, but then the dynamics of life end up uh, getting in the way because uh, we have folks that we lose all the time, and that's when people a lot of times want to talk about uh, death and dying, or we have folks that uh, go through uh, a medical emergency or crisis, and then that's when we start thinking about our own mortality. But it's always out there, and it's a big part of who we are and uh, of life. We can avoid it when we're in the life cycles of generativity versus stagnation. And we can, to some degree, avoid it when we're struggling with um, integrity versus despair, those life cycles. Mm -hmm. But eventually it comes back uh, to to surround us. And I think that's why there it was the rise of the movement of the deaf cafes in the last few years, because there are some people that are brave enough to take a look at it and began to wonder what's out there beyond uh, life here. But there is um, kind of an involvement uh, with also a hunger for relationship, for love, for those kinds of things that has been unmet by churches and and faith communities to some degree. Um, So that's why there is a kind of a turn for spirituality. You see it with baby boomers. I, I remember the S movement, for instance. Right. And and things like PTL that picked off a few people that ended up being a bust for those people. Um, but there's always been this hunger among baby boomers because I really see it as a spiritual generation. And I would assume also, and I think this is part of the, the reason for boomer stock, that the church and religious institutions, the church, the synagogue, the mosque, but those institutions really are... Um, an appropriate and perhaps best place to have these conversations about generativity, meaning, mortality, and 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 love and relationships. We have about a, literally about 45 seconds left. Real quick, and thank you very much for coming on. But uh, that contact for Boomer Stock, September 28th to October 1st at the Embassy Suites Hotel in Nashville. Again, somebody wants to get information. How do they do that? Well, they can uh, contact our office here um, in Nashville at Discipleship Ministries. They can go to the website, uh, www.umcdiscipleship.org, and click on that banner. And the banner, and that'll take you to that. Reverend Dr. William Randolph, uh, Director of Aging and Older Adult Ministries, United Methodist Church in Nashville. Thank you very much for joining us on today's edition of Boomer Generation Radio. Lots to think about. Good luck with Boomer Stock. Let us know what's going on. I'm really excited for you, and it's a great idea. To all of you, thank you for joining us. We'll see you on Boomer Generation Radio next week, same time. Take care, everybody. Stay safe.